Louise McSharry on 2FM. Um, someone texted in to say, Louise, that was a tune. You always seem to play a real bop when I have the Bluetooth earphones on and I'm trying to get the baby down for a nap. I have to stop myself from bouncing along to the beat. Oh, I'm sorry. I know, I know that feeling. <laughs> so I'm very sorry. I hope uh, your baby is asleep now and silent and sleeps for a good long time. That's that's all I want for any parent. Um, Ellen, I'm sure you're the same. <laughs> yeah, um, babies love a bop as well. A bit of motion works. Although don't experiment. If the baby's asleep, just leave yeah. them where they are. Please don't take my advice on that. <laughs> Ellen Corn, of course, is here. Uh, she is news correspondent with the Indepe- with the Irish Independent, excuse me. And uh, every week, Ellen, you catch us up on the news so that people can disengage. I, <laughs> so I met someone this week who said, "Oh yeah, no, I stopped. I stopped looking at the news in October," and I was like, "Wow, wow. that's." Amazing. I'm jealous. Yeah. And then I thought, well, do you know what? All you need to do now <laughs> is tune in to my show and have a listen to Ellen and you'd be well up on the news. Um, so we have a lot to talk about. Uh, and let's start. I suppose we'll check in on the vaccines because I, I am stunned by these numbers. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Like the rate that we're at at the moment is really incredible. I think we're well over 80% of over 18 year olds um, and the target that Neffet had set was it wanted over 90% of people aged 16 and up before we could kind of do the final stage of the reopening. Yeah. Um, the government seems to think that we will have met that by the 20th of September but I think at this stage the government is kind of saying that the public has been asked to do every, the public has done everything they've asked and at this point in time as we're looking at the next phase of reopening, they're not really sure if they're going to make everything conditional on Neffet's advice. So the Cabinet subcommittee on COVID met yesterday and we won't know anything for certain until Tuesday when the full Cabinet meeting uh, takes place and then Michal Martin will probably do one of his regular announcements to the public. Um, but there's a lot in the newspapers about what politicians were saying yesterday about how we're going to move forward. And the newspapers today are full of some of those details. It seems like the 13th of September is going to be the date that people return back to their offices, obviously with special COVID-19 conditions. 13th. 13th of September. And then the 20th of September is kind of being pegged as this date when almost all of the rest of the restrictions will start to be unravelled. And then it would only be high risk things left until October, November, including nightclubs. I know. Am I still able to Sorry, dance? people can't see my face, but I just like <laughs> did like a wide eyed. Like I actually, the idea. So you're saying that this side of Christmas, we I could, could be at Mother. We could be. I mean, sometimes the song comes on shuffle like rain on me and my eyes actually water I'm like I've actually gone full circle with that song I don't even like it anymore but I never had a chance to like dance to it Um, and I think that that's a huge thing because that would also be tied to things like uh, live entertainment and live music and there was a big row during the week about the fact that people are allowed to go to Croke Park in Mm -hmm. their droves and people were drinking afterwards but live entertainment isn't allowed to come back so it seems like the government is kind of at the stage now where they're like everyone has done what they've asked we kind of have to have a clear plan in place and we need to press ahead and um, while the vaccination target will be met that's kind of a moot point Neffet had also said that it believed that it wouldn't like to see restrictions uh, lifting until hospitalisations and the number of people in ICU was starting to fall dramatically but politicians are nervous about that because they think that with the way things are going currently like we had 1,875 new cases yesterday if we were to follow Neffet's advice that would be like November, December yeah. by the times they, and they just think that there's a little bit too much kind of fatigue from the public yeah. and as you were mentioning at the top of the show there's also details in the paper today suggesting that by October Neffet could actually be disbanded 
ended. Which but, feels wild. Yeah, it's like, have they not? I, I was like, was there a time when Neffet didn't yeah, exist? Exactly. Yeah, before January, like yeah. January 2020. Like uh, they were kind of formed then to deal with COVID-19. Obviously, those public health experts would still be on standby to advise the government. But you wouldn't have those kind of regular Neffet briefings that we have every week that we've become so institutionalised Do you by. know what, Ellen? We must go back. I must pull a clip and, and play it here. When this does eventually come to an end and listen to the first time we talked about COVID, oh I gosh. would love to hear us. Two absolute goons with no idea. Fools. With no Fools. idea what was ahead of them. The naivety, like the confidence with which I bought a ticket for a gig last October. Yeah. I really thought. I, I booked like, flights to Ibiza in last September. <laughs> what? It'll be grand, thinking? I thought. No. What was I thinking? One day, one day we'll look back at We didn't have a clue. Okay, well, let's talk about Afghanistan because unfortunately things obviously continue to be um, in bad shape there. Yeah, so we were talking on the show last week about the chaotic, chaotic scenes at Kabul airport uh, when people were trying to evacuate Afghanistan because of the rise of the Taliban. There was huge concerns about it. A lot of Western governments were trying to uh, run basically rescue missions to try to get people out yeah. of the airport. During the week, there started to, a lot of Western countries started to warn their citizens to stay away from the airport because there was intelligence suggesting that it was dangerous and that there was going to be an attack. And unfortunately, on Thursday, that intelligence proved to be correct um, when a suicide bomber walked into crowds of people at the airport gates who were scrambling to get out and detonated a bomb. The group that claimed responsibility is a group called ISK. So they would be an affiliate group of uh, Islamic State, the terrorist group that came to prominence in 2015. And they have been described as the most dangerous and the most hardline terrorist group in Afghanistan. They would be much more extreme than the Taliban. And a lot of them would actually be made up of people who've defected from the Taliban because the Taliban, they thought, wasn't extreme enough. Like one thing they would really disapprove of is the fact that the Taliban has engaged with the US through diplomatic routes to try to draw up peace agreements for Afghanistan. And they would take a dim view of that. And unfortunately, the fact that you had um, armed US uh, military personnel, you had Westerners, you had people who had worked with the US and NATO trying to leave Afghanistan and you had the Taliban made the airport a massive target for ISK. Um, At the moment, the death toll is 95 people. 95 people lost their lives in that attack. 150 were injured and 13 US service personnel um, lost their lives. They were among the 95. So on Thursday, Joe Biden, the US president, said that the US would track down and find the people responsible and overnight um, we basically woke up to the, to the news this morning that the US uh, carried out an unmanned drone strike on an ISK planner someone that they think was responsible for planning this attack he was in a car with another member of the terrorist organisation and the US is saying that there was no civilian casualties but there's a lot of anxiety now and people are saying that the next few days in the airport could prove to be the most dangerous particularly after Tuesday which is the deadline the US had set for withdrawing from Afghanistan and from that point on, there's huge concerns about the safety of people who'll still be left and won't be evacuated. Oh God, it's awful. Um, Okay, uh, let's move on because we need to talk about uh, French President Macron was in town this week. Yes, his first official uh, visit to Ireland. He did a kind of like Ulysses stroll around town with (laughs) Neil Martin. I still really understand that and I didn't venture to try to understand it either. (laughs) Uh, There was a lot of other uh, interesting news from his press conference. So he was asked about the murder of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier and we know that this has been in the news a lot recently because two major documentaries came out one on Sky and one on Netflix both very different I'll leave it there um, so people were kind of asking him um, about the case so as we know in 2019 Ian Bailey was convicted of murder 
by a French court in his absence. He didn't have legal representation there. Um, he kind of dismissed the trial as a farce, um, but he was convicted 25 years. But last year, an Irish court rejected um, France's appeal to extradite him. So uh, because the Irish courts have kind of said that, you know, he was never prosecuted and he was never tried for murder in Ireland. And Ian Bailey maintains that he had nothing to do yeah. with Sophie Tuscan de Plantier's death. But um, Emmanuel Macron was kind of making the point that if Ian Bailey did go to France, France would consider an entire new trial. So if he was to engage in the process, they would start over again and allow him to have things like legal representation. Um, and Emmanuel Macron was kind of saying the window has been left open for the French courts to work with the Irish courts. We're obviously both members of the EU, so there are protocols in place there for um, our justice systems to work together. But very shortly after this, Ian Bailey's solicitor was coming out saying that, you know, it was a farce, that this is kind of a witch hunt by France. Um, and at the same press conference, Micheál Martin, who is obviously from Cork, was kind of making a comment that um, he was so struck by the resilience and strength of Sophie Tusk and Plantier's families in mm. both of those documentaries that this has been a massive stain um, on Irish society since 1996 and he also appealed for anyone who has information to come forward and even though her death happened so long ago yeah. since those two documentaries have come out we've seen very often in the Sunday papers little stories popping yeah. up about various people coming forward with information so I suppose there still is a possibility that maybe someone knows something of significance um, so it's definitely one to keep an eye on Oh God yeah um, Okay now I, I hate this story um, there was some research that came out during the week which said that a fifth of teenage boys do not believe consent is necessary prior to sexual activity. Yeah, very depressing and very striking headline. This research was carried out by NUIG, which has been doing loads of work yeah. on consent with young people on campus and in schools. So they basically did a survey of 600 TY and uh, fifth year students and found a huge disparity between girls and boys in the way that they view consent. So 93% of girls said that they would think that uh, consent is it's always necessary to gain consent before engaging in sexual activity. But the figure was only 79% for boys. The research also found that while obviously all teenagers understand a clear no, there was more kind of um, ambiguity um, and lack of understanding with if somebody makes an indirect comment or kind of gives like um, reluctant body language and signals that that's not really seen as the absence of consent either. Mm. Um, and they also found that while teenagers themselves might view consent as important, they think that their peers don't, which can lead to an environment where teenagers feel that they have their pressured to do sexual activity that they may not want to. Um, so it is very depressing and it is very stark. But the good news is the reason that this research was carried out is because a new active consent programme is going to be launched on Tuesday. It's going to be workshops for um, students who are around the kind of TY, fifth year age, focusing on healthy relationships and consent, which is a universe away from what was there when I was in school and when you were in school as well. So there is a small silver lining to that story. Yeah, absolutely. And we recently um, spoke to Richie Sadler about a program that he's developed which is you know easy to access online around these kind of issues or any any difficult issues that young people might face in terms of sexuality and relationships it's called share by the way if you haven't heard about it and if you are that age or if you know someone who's that age you think might benefit from it and um, I had a look at it it looks brilliant as I said it's share s-h-a-r-e um, so worth a google there now finally 
this also not great. No. Um, <laughs> um, I'm laughing because wow, the horror. Um, let, it's about TikTok. There was some research and some numbers that have come out about TikTok content, Irish TikTok content. Yeah. So there's this group called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, which is um, a London-based think tank. And they carried out a survey of content on TikTok. So it was 1,030 TikTok videos. For anyone who doesn't know, TikTok is probably the biggest social media platform for younger people. Um, of those 1,000... Also me. And yeah, for my recipes and gardening yes. videos. But uh, young people also watch it. They had analysed 1,030 videos and they found that 30% of them, 312, were promoting white supremacy. Another 24% were basically praising fascists and terrorists and while this wasn't an Irish specific survey the researchers found some very troubling extremely racist uh, Irish content particularly um, TikTok videos that were mocking the death of George Inchenko uh, as we know the 27 year old was shot and killed by Gardaí following an incident last December um, we won't go into like what the material was specifically saying no. but it is hugely concerning because we know that one of the things about TikTok it is basically like a, a high speed rabbit hole. You are just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and videos are presented to you. And one of the most chilling things about it is if you have never used TikTok before and sit down and start using it, it has an innate ability to show you things that you were interested in. So if you have ever been active online and engaging with extremely problematic, extremely far right, extremely racist content, it basically creates this vacuum where you can just be radicalised at great speed. Yeah, so God, this content I've is... always been like, the algorithm is amazing. It knows exactly what you want. And that's great when what you like is like body positivity and makeup videos. Yes. But I hadn't thought about that. But yeah. yeah, that would be horrendous on the other end of the spectrum. And like you can see things going from extreme. So like I might have watched like, you know, one or two cute videos about parenting and then it just becomes like these kind of crazy Americans who are talking about like mad kind of parenting theories, which can then lead to like anti-vax stuff. Yeah. So it can happen very fast. So these researchers were just kind of presenting this and saying that the content moderation on TikTok needs to be taken much more seriously. It's the same old story with every single social network. The owners are saying, you know, we're not publishers. We're not responsible for what goes yes, up you there. Are. But I think particularly with TikTok because of the age profile, yeah. it's so, so, so important. And this is happening like these aren't the average views on these videos was well over 13,000, mm. which, which is, is very lot. significant for Ireland. It's very significant for Ireland. So it's a really, really troubling story and something that definitely uh, I think the powers that be need to keep an eye on as well. 100%. Well, I'm sorry that we don't have a happy joy, joy story to end on today, but it's just the way that it goes sometimes. I thought it was important that we talk about those Absolutely. two stories. Ellen, thank you so much. That's Ellen. Coin news correspondent at the Irish Independent. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again. Oh, actually, I won't talk to you next week. I'm off. Have a lovely week next week. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll speak to you the following week. Louise McSherry on 2FM.